Awesome. Uh, so today's message, I don't know when this series is going to end. This could be the last one of the uh, Abundant Life series. So just, yeah. You could have at least pretended to be more sad about that. Um, but we, uh, I'm, I'm talking about heart abundance today. Um, now, when we're talking about the heart, this message is not going to cover every possible teaching and do a full coverage of what the heart is and the role of the heart, all of that sort of stuff. Uh, we've taught so much on this. And so just please, I encourage you, if you want to learn more, uh, I mean, we're, we're even, what you could do is you could free up your Friday and your Saturday and you come along to Journey of the Heart and you'd have a really great introductory rundown of all of those things. So I apologize, there might be some things, I could speak for five hours or for your sake, I'll keep it shorter and not cover every aspect of that. But it is a very, very important topic. The heart, the role of the heart in our journey with God is incredibly important. Um, so as I said, get along, Journey of the Heart. We're not, we're not trying to just get people, a crowd of people in for, for no reason. It's for your benefit, but uh, bless you if you are able to, uh, to come along to that. So what is the heart? Uh, again, this concept of the heart is also quite complex, especially when we talk about, well, there's spirit and there's soul and there's body and then there's heart and how do all of those things interact together. Uh, I would love to be able to give you a really simplified diagram of that. Uh, and I could, but I don't feel like it would do it justice. Um, but for me, I guess my, my way of trying to get my brain around it is, is really the heart is the center of our being. It's the center of who we are. And some scholars would describe it almost as the culmination of spirit and soul together and conscience in that space. Kind of the heart is all kind of gathers all of those things together. So it's, it's every kind of part of who we are on our internal world. So obviously we have a physical heart. Uh, when the Bible speaks of the heart, it's not often talking about the physical organ, although there's kind of some Hebrew um, imagery related to that. Really the, the life source, you know, without, if you don't have your heart pumping blood, then you die. Um, so understanding that there is a, a connection to that, but really the heart is the core of who we are, the essence of who we are. And life flows from that place. Life flows from our heart. Abundance comes from our heart. And the Bible's very clear about that. Matthew chapter 12, 34 to 35 says, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. So out of the heart, abundance, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what it's representing here is what comes out of your mouth is a result of what's going on in your heart. Now, again, it's not sort of every single word that you say, but there's a revealing externally of expression that's coming from an internal reality. So we understand there's more to who I am than what I say. I can say a whole lot of stuff. doesn't mean that's necessarily what's going on in the inside, but ultimately, that's what can come out. And if you've ever had those moments where maybe in a heated argument and you say something or someone says something to you and you're like, ooh, that came from somewhere else. You know, that came from a, from a hurt place or a wounded place. And sometimes we try really hard uh, to, to not say those things. I know for me sometimes, like in, a, in an intense environment, usually in like a sporting environment, sometimes things come out of my mouth and, and I'm like, ah. Oh, come back and it's too late and my heart's been revealed and, uh, and then I don't say, oh, I don't know where that came from. I'm like, oh no, that came from the inside. Oh, I think that and I believe that. Uh, but, but it is the reality. It's, it's a revealer sometimes. The external is what actually comes out. Our behavior, again, is, is the revealer of what's going on on the inside. As much as we hate to admit it, it'd be really nice if we say, oh, that's just, and sometimes we do, oh, that's just the flesh. That's just my flesh. I say, yeah, but even the flesh is really connected to the heart because our behavior is tied to our internal world. And the issue for us is, so we got this heart, but the Bible says that our hearts are corrupted by sin and they're unable to fully and healthily engage with God. 
So again, it's not just, oh, cool, I've got a heart and out of the abundance of my heart, oh, that's wonderful, good things can come, but also bad things can come because sin dwells in our hearts. So we know there's sin, there's corruption, there's brokenness, there's wounding, there's trauma, there's all of this negative stuff that comes from the reality of sin being in the world, but also it comes from the reality of what has happened to us in our lives. Proverbs 17.20 says, One whose heart is corrupt does not prosper. So does not live in abundance, essentially, with the Lord. If there's corruption in our heart, one whose tongue is perverse falls into trouble. So that's a bad place to be in. Corrupted heart, sin in our heart, that's a bad thing, okay? When we meet Jesus and we receive salvation and we're born again, the Bible says we become a new creation, but there's also a prophetic declaration. We find that in Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27, where we are given a new heart. So it says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. So a stony heart, one that can't receive and can't express, and I will give you a new heart that can receive from me and express who I am to the world. I will put my spirit within you, amen, and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So again, this is really, really important. This is one of those reasons why we, we, we really shouldn't expect people who haven't received the Holy Spirit to walk and behave like Christians because they don't have the power of the the Spirit. They don't have a new heart. They don't have that ability. Like this is clearly saying, when my Spirit is in you and when your heart can engage with that, then you can actually walk in my ways. So this is a promise from God. It's, It's something we receive and we believe by faith. Yes, Lord, you've done that work in me. So God has made a way for us to be able to engage with him. God has made a way for us to be able to walk in his ways. So you say, well, that's great. That's fantastic. I've received salvation. I've been born again by the Holy Spirit. But Brad, I keep doing bad things. So why is it if I've got a new heart and the Holy Spirit's been within me, why do I keep still walking in old ways? Well, because there is still sin in your life. There are still habitual ways of behaving. There are still unredeemed ways of thinking. There is still trauma and the impact of life. Okay, those things. So this is, again, what we call sanctification, is God transforming our internal world so that we can express all of his goodness to the external world and so we can also receive all of his goodness. The Bible even says that the great commandment is to love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, with every part of who you are. So that's God's desire for us. But he is the one who makes a way that gives us the ability to do that. The reality is sin corrupts our heart. Even as you, after you're born again, after you've received this, this way of being able to connect and engage with the Lord, if you engage in sinful behavior, it impacts your heart. Life also impacts our heart. The way that we are treated from childhood, the way that we are nurtured or the way that we are neglected has an impact on our heart. And I know as a parent, my desire is to do the best job that I can as a parent. The problem is I'm not fully sanctified. I've still got brokenness in my heart. I've still got lack in my heart. I've still got the impact of life affecting my heart. So as much as my greatest desire is to to bless and to lead my children in the best way that I can, to love them so well, I still know that I'm not perfect. And so therefore, the way our parents are not going to be perfect. Yeah, my kids nodding their heads. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But again, I'm thankful for God, for His grace, for His mercy, that the Lord forgives me when I sin if I acknowledge it. And my children forgive me of my sin when I acknowledge it and I ask for their forgiveness. But our hearts can be impacted by life. Our hearts can be impacted by trauma. Our hearts can actually be shut down because of the trauma that has happened to us in our lives. 
And oftentimes this happens when, when children are young and they can be traumatic events that, that, that are accidental. They can be traumatic events that were caused by individuals or they can be the trauma of neglect where you just didn't receive the kind of nurture and love and safety that you're supposed to, that you're designed to receive as a child. So oftentimes we can grow up in life never having received those things. So we don't know how to respond. We haven't matured in that place because we haven't received it, received it. So our hearts stay stuck in immaturity. I've actually seen people almost um, revert back to being a child in a ministry situation, like God's moving, Holy Spirit's working in someone's heart, and then all of a sudden, they almost revert to being like a child. And they then start saying things like they were a child. I had this, and I didn't even realize it was happening, but um, it was Lisa and I and talking to a, to a friend, and, and then all of a sudden, she's just sharing some trauma of a season in her life. And, uh, and then she starts, but she starts speaking out things like she was a 15-year-old person. And so... I, I luckily picked up on it so that I was able to minister and speak almost to that 15-year-old part of, of her heart and, and speak some truth in there and, and change the lies that she'd come to believe in that place. But this is what ha- is happening is as, as we're growing and our hearts can get to a point and there's some, some trauma, something really bad happens and our heart gets stuck in that moment and our hearts don't mature past that point. So it's almost like there's this little, and again, I'm sure maybe if you're honest enough, you know that sometimes and you just, something happens and you know you're responding like a child. Maybe you're just having like a a tantrum about something and you're just so upset, but you're like, well, I'm behaving really childishly in this moment. That, I understand, is actually there's, what's happening is part of your heart's been revealed that you've been trying really hard as an adult to keep, Sit in the corner. It'd be good. Don't you speak. Okay? I don't, I don't, you, yes, it's not your time. This is adult Brad time. Okay? You little child, you sit in the corner. And then inevitably something happens and it's like it pokes that little child part of your heart and their voice comes out and you're like, oh no. It's, it reveals who we are. And this is what happens. So when, when our hearts aren't maturing, and, and I think this is can be sometimes more prevalent for men. Yeah, it's truth. But I would say it's because of the way that our culture has conditioned men to not engage with their hearts. We've been, we've been told, hey, come on, man up. We've been told even as, you know, if you're, if you're a little boy, come on, don't, don't cry. You know, boys don't cry. Come on, toughen up. You can do it. Get, get back on the horse. We don't, we don't stop in those moments and give attention to what's actually happening to the child on the inside. We're like, come on, no, 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 don't, don't, don't cry. We don't want to, I don't want you to grow up a wuss. So just come on, toughen up and, you know, get back on the bike and, you know, she'll be right, it's just a bit of blood. You know, it's not a big deal. But really in those moments, a child can hurt themselves physically, but they're also responding emotionally and internally in, in that moment. There's trauma, there's impact, there's, there's fear, there's all of these things going on. And if we neglect that part, then that part of the child never, never matures. It's never nurtured to come forth and say, hey, you have a voice and we welcome you to speak out. Hey, what's going on in this situation? Man, the number of times... I know in, in parenting children and then and you're seeing a reaction that's coming out and we can look at the behavior and we say, hey, you need to stop doing that. Stop yelling. Stop getting angry. Hey, don't be angry. It's not good to be angry. It's even worse if you're a Christian trying to raise your kids. So that's not acceptable as a Christian. It's not what Jesus would do. But the reality is that child is doing that. And the reason the child is doing that is because something's happening on the inside that's simply manifesting on the outside and we can say, hey, listen, that behavior is not appropriate. Can you tell me what's going on? What's going on in the inside? What are you feeling? What's happening for you? 
And what they're able then to do is to, to process in turn, say, I'm, I'm just feeling really scared or that really upset me or that I felt ashamed or I felt embarrassed. There's, there's this deeper thing going on in the inside. We say, hey, that's really important. That behavior is still not acceptable, but what's going on in your heart? We give space for that expression. We give a voice to what's going on. But, and again, I know that for, for generations, even like it it's just hasn't kind of been nurtured in that way. And I don't think if we give attention to, to the hearts, particularly of, of young boys and men and older men, it's not going to create a whole bunch of wusses. It's actually going to create mature men who don't behave like children and have tantrums when things aren't going their way. It caused them not to then go and hide in alcoholism or hide in, in sexual sin or, or uh, express themselves in, in physical violence whether against men or even against women. It's, it's, a, it's an epidemic in our society. It's, it's, it's incredible how much it happens. But for me, that's a little boy in a man's body. It's dangerous. It's like, it's like giving a child an ax and expecting that they're not gonna do some damage with that thing. They don't know how to wield it. But when we've got a, a generation of men who have grown up, hearts shut down, little boy hearts in big men bodies, then we get really unhealthy expressions of masculinity in our culture. But for me, it's like it's all, it's, it's what I'm talking about here. It's why as a church, we have invested so much time and energy into the space of the heart and the healing of hearts. Because we can't just keep telling men or telling women, hey, you got to stop doing that. That behavior is not acceptable as a Christian. We keep doing, it's got to be, hey, why are you behaving that way? There's a reason why. Your mouth is manifesting your heart. Your behavior is manifesting your heart. The fruit that's growing on your tree is because your root system is connected to some unhealthy things. It's not about behavior modification. It's about heart transformation. And God's desire and God's plan is to heal the hearts of people so that they would naturally express the good things of God. They would express godliness, not because they're fearful of what God will do to them or fearful of what society or culture or the church will do to them. But well, there's no other way that I can express than to express godliness because that's what's in my heart. It's not, a, it's not asking the question, what would Jesus do? It's actually becoming like him that you would naturally do what he would do. I've said this many times before. Jesus didn't wear a what would Jesus do bracelet. He never had to ask that question because he naturally expressed who he was, which was Jesus. <laughs> and he has the same desire for us that we would naturally express the nature of the Father, the nature of Christ to the world because that's actually who we have become. So our hearts need healing. No one starts off with a clean slate unfortunately. Our hearts are actually responding to life before we have the maturity and the understanding to make wise decisions. This is, again, a lot of the premise of, of prayer ministry. So we, we utilize primarily the larger house kind of framework around this, but a lot of it is related to childhood responses, sinful responses to sin that's done to you. So it's, it's, what it's not neglecting is the bad things that might have, may have happened to a child or the good things that didn't happen to a child that they needed in those formative years. But it's looking at how did I respond as a child to that neglect or to that abuse? How did I respond? Because that's what I get to take responsibility for. I can't take responsibility for, for what my parents did or for what my teachers at school did. I can't take responsibility for their behavior, but I can take responsibility for how I responded. Because that's usually then what keeps us trapped is our sinful responses. Not again, and we need, we need healing from the impact of those things. Absolutely, we do. We need to learn new skills that were never taught to us. Really, really important. But I remain trapped if I've got the sinful response and we might say, hey, it's really justified. A child is, is abused by someone and then they decide, I'm gonna shut down my heart so I never feel that pain again. You say, hey, you know what? That's pretty legitimate for, for you to do that in that situation. But it's still sin. It still requires repentance because now you're trapped in that sinful response and God wants to free you from that. So oftentimes this is what 
Prayer ministry is just, it's simply a facilitated encounter with Jesus where the Holy Spirit reveals and says, hey, there was this time in your life when something really bad happened or there was a time in your formative years where you didn't receive what your heart was crying out for. Now again, I can't heal that, you can't heal that, a prayer minister can't heal that, but Holy Spirit can heal that because he can go back to that time. He can say, yeah, I did. I, I responded to that situation by believing a lie. I responded to that situation by, by casting judgment against that person. And the Holy Spirit says, okay, let's, let's deal with that. And we encounter Jesus in that moment and we repent for our sin. We, we go through that process and then we're freed from that. And I have seen in my own life things that happened to me as a child. And again, I, I, I didn't grow up in, in abuse and all of this trauma, but there were still things that my heart needed that I didn't know how to express. So therefore I didn't receive, but it had an impact on me. And in dealing with that, meeting with Jesus, he heals that thing. All of a sudden, my whole life changes. All of a sudden, that fruit that was growing, that fruit of anxiety, that fruit of control, that fruit, whatever that fruit was, all of a sudden, if it's not connected to a root system drawing that negative nutrients up, all of a sudden that fruit just dies. I used to live with a lot of anxiety. And today, I don't live with any anxiety. Because that anxiety was, was rooted to, a, to a, a belief system that I had as a child that caused me to behave in ways and think that I've got to control my world and I've got to look after myself and it created all of this anxiety. And God has freed me from that. Now again, I'm not saying if you have anxiety, your pathway might be different to mine, but I can almost guarantee that it's connected to something deeper in your heart that the Lord desires to heal. Luke chapter 6, 43 and 45 says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. Figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So again, a good tree produces good fruit. And for me, when it comes to the heart, it's like goodness in my heart produces goodness coming out of me. Evil in my heart produces evil coming out of me. And, and for me, this is, I found it really beneficial. Even how I have compassion towards Sin, sinful people, people who are doing really evil things. To me, it's not like oh, they're, they're sinful, they're bad, they're evil, labeling them with the external of their behavior. But this going through and discovering the heart journey, it's helped me to go, they're broken. They're wounded. What kind of trauma did they go through as a child that's caused them to live in this kind of way and do these sorts of things? And I think that's why Jesus can hang on the cross and say, forgive them, Father, because they don't know what they're doing. They are sinning to the extreme level of crucifying the Son of God. And yet Jesus doesn't say, condemn them, Father, because they know exactly what they're doing. He says, forgive them, Father. They're actually unaware. He has compassion for the very people that are crucifying Him. The heart of God, that's the heart of God. Could we have that kind of heart towards people? Well, that's a pure heart that sees beyond behavior and actually looks at the heart. Even as the Bible says, you know, we look on the outward appearance, God looks at the intentions of the heart. So he sees what's going on. Now, again, it doesn't excuse evil behavior, but if we say, well, it's, there's, there's evil in their hearts and there's evil in their hearts more than likely because of trauma that has been caused against them. I haven't worked in rehab, but I know plenty of people who have. And you hear stories of addiction. So many, huge majority of people that grew up with childhood trauma and abuse. And it manifests in a coping mechanism of substance abuse. But it's all coming out of this root. Now, again, if you grow up in a, in a nice, happy, healthy, middle-class family, you can still have trauma. There can still be abuse, but more than likely, you've found healthier ways to deal with it. So, well, I'm not, I'm not a meth addict. 
I'm a, I'm a cake addict, you know, or I don't, you know, I'm, a sh- uh, I'm not an alcoholic, I'm a shopaholic. It's the same thing, people. It's just a more socially acceptable manifestation of that internal brokenness. All you people are like, oh, jeez. Amazon.com.au. Yeah. So the reality is, when it comes to heart abundance, the heart produces abundantly. It's either going to produce abundant goodness or abundant evil, abundant brokenness, godly things or evil things. So the, the thing is, the heart is a source of abundance. When we talk about provision, there are principles that we can put in place that create provision. The heart is just producing. And it's producing abundantly, the Bible says. I, I, I was thinking of it like almost if you, I sometimes like watching those um, factories, like automated factories where they're producing things. And I think to myself, how do they put that together? All the little contraptions, putting lids on stuff and squirting things in. Anyone else? Just me. Uh, no, I know there's more of you out there. You just, you know. And, but to think of that process and think how cool it would be to design some of those machines. And, but if you imagine like a, a uh, on a factory process, you've got a conveyor belt and things are coming along and then there's a machine as part of that process and that machine breaks down. If the rest of the factory doesn't stop working, then all of a sudden that conveyor belt keeps going and it keeps just pumping stuff in and, and it becomes overwhelming. And so you could come in and go, I'll manually put those things into boxes. And so you're striving to try and keep all of these things from overflowing. And this is what happens in our lives. Sometimes we know there's a, there's a bad desire in my heart, but I'm going to strive really, really hard because if that stuff starts pouring out of me, I know people won't like it. People won't love me. People won't accept me. All bad stuff. So I've got to try as hard as I can to try and strive to keep that stuff down. But then what happens is you start to get tired or something else bad happens. And then all of a sudden, it just all spews out everywhere. And we can't control it because the heart is producing. It's producing abundantly and it keeps on coming. It keeps on pouring out. And if you neglect it and you strive as hard as you want to keep all of that bad stuff down, ultimately it's going to come out. This is what happens too often in the Christian world is where people are promoted because of charisma and, and their ability to do things and their hearts are neglected. So they can strive really hard and, and, and have this public persona, but the heart's still producing those evil desires, those sinful desires, those broken desires. And ultimately, at some stage, it comes out. And it creates a whole lot of mess. It creates a whole lot of mess. But again, the church hasn't given space to this. The church has taught people just to, no, no, the heart's evil, so ignore it. Okay, just be a good person, just obey, obey the Lord, just do the right thing. And the fact is that as humans, we learn what's acceptable in a, in a cultural environment. I think people, philosophically, it's called the mimetic theory. We naturally mime other people. So we come into an environment, you can come into this church and you will learn if you're, okay, okay, this is acceptable, this is not acceptable. This is the right way to behave, this is the wrong way to behave. And again, you, it's not like we're necessarily saying you must behave this way, but you'll naturally pick up. This is kind of the culture of this place. If I want to fit in, I come into alignment with that culture. If I don't want to fit in, then I don't do that. And people are free to do that. I'm not putting any expectation. You have to follow along with what we're doing, but culture exists. There's different places. I'm sure when you go to your workplace, it might be a different culture than when you gather with your life hub. And you're learning, cool, this sort of stuff. Hey, when I'm with our life hub and maybe we're praying together, or I'm at you know, Friday night men's prayer and we're, we're praying out, we're declaring it's good and we're maybe praying in tongues, it's awesome. You're possibly not gonna do that at lunchtime around the, you know, the lunch table at work. I'm just saying, you're gonna know, hey, that's probably not acceptable here. You can still do it, bless you in that. Um, but I'm saying it's gonna have, have an impact. But this is kind of what happens. So we ignore the heart. We don't have the tools to heal the heart. And so people are forced to say, I either behave rightly in this place or I behave wrongly and then I get pushed out. So people are then stuck in their brokenness and they go from one place to another place to another place. And because no one goes, hey, what's actually happening in your heart right now? 
can we talk about your inner world rather than just looking at the behavior that's going on? I see the behavior. You've revealed yourself. But what you're revealing is actually something that's going on deeper on the inside. So because the heart is producing abundantly, we can't be passive about the state of our hearts. We can't just ignore it and hope it goes away. We can't just try harder and hopefully it'll shut down because keep, it'll keep on producing. That trauma that you experience as a five-year-old is gonna keep on producing and eventually it's gonna overflow. And you might not connect it to that five-year-old child traumatic experience. You might just blame the person who's in front of you. Yeah, it's a great reason to get married. I've got someone to blame for my poor behavior. The reality is, and I mean, we've trained our kids. I feel like I shouldn't have done this. But, I, but we use the language with our children when they're angry to say, you can't blame someone. So if you say, you made me angry, and we say, well, you can't, you can't say that. I didn't make you angry. You chose to be angry in response to that. And that's the truth. Uh, and then they use that truth against you when you blame them for making you angry. <laughs> was when you did this and that's why I got angry. Well, you can't blame me, Dad. That's how you chose to respond. And you're like, you're right. Go to your room. No, no. Um, but it is the truth. Like that external thing is coming from, I'm choosing how I respond to life. And I might be going, but I'm not choosing. It's automated response. Yes, that's because the conveyor belt is backing up and you can't hold on to it any longer and someone's just poking you and it's all bursting out. And you have an overreaction to a situation. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Keep your heart with vigilance. So saying, hey, every now and then just, just keep an eye on it. It's like, no, 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 you've got to keep it with, you've got to be vigilant about the state of your heart because life flows from that. If you're not experiencing life, it's possibly because you've actually ignored your heart. And maybe you're here and you're like, I've, I've never heard anyone talk about this stuff before. And I, I'd want you to know the heart is spoken of in the Bible more than a thousand times. There's more than a thousand references to the heart. So it's a big deal in Scripture. Okay, it's a really, really important thing that we are to focus on. But again, sometimes culturally, we don't, we don't really focus on that. So God desires to and is able to heal our wounded hearts. As I said before, when we talk about heart transformation or the heart journey, it's simply sanctification. That's, a, that's the biblical word for it, sanctification, which is moving you from it's one degree of glory to another degree of glory. It's healing those broken and wounded places in you that allow you then to be transformed more into the likeness of Jesus. Jesus wasn't broken in one little way. So for our desire, it's, it's not just that we're changing what we do, changing what we think. It's actually we're being transformed into his likeness. It's the transformation of the inner person that, that then manifests outwardly. So again, as I said before, it's really important that we learn the language of the heart and we teach our children the language of the heart and we teach those around us the language of the heart that we don't look at the external behavior, but we start to focus in and say, hey, what's going on beneath the surface here? I see you behaving in this way. There must be something below the surface that's causing you to behave in this way. Our heart has a voice, but for many of us, our hearts weren't given space to be expressed. Maybe because there was no one around to even listen to us or maybe because we're actually told to shut down that expressive part of who we were. Stop being so emotional. Just do what I say. Stop throwing a tantrum. You're embarrassing your mother. Oh, yes. Where's my mum? <laughs> I just remember that in the shopping center, the hand squeeze and you're, you're embarrassing me. You know how you yell really quietly? It's that kind of thing. So I know, I know, I know the feeling on both sides. Um, so we're often raised with our attention being on our behavior, but not being on the motivations behind our behavior. We're told to deal with the fruit, but we neglect the root. 
Matthew 12, 33 says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. The tree is known by its fruit. We want to be good trees, not just good fruit producers. That's God's desire. Forget about the fruit that you're producing. Be a good tree and you'll naturally produce good fruit. This is in, in the book of John. It talks about abide in the vine. I will make you fruitful. Stay connected to me. Stay in that place of intimacy. Stay in that place where I'm working in you, transforming you because you're connected to the source of life, which is God himself, and you're going to produce good fruit. So to see God's abundance flow from our hearts, we must give attention to our hearts. We must give attention to our inner world. We must allow God to search our hearts. So again, not just that I'm looking inwardly, but I'm inviting Holy Spirit to say, come and search my heart. And then we need to allow God to heal our hearts, to be humble enough to say, God, it's not their fault. I'm gonna stop the blame game and I'm gonna start taking responsibility. I encourage people, if you're in a place of conflict and it's 99% their fault and 1% your fault, your responsibility is the 1%. Be a one percenter and say, I'm going to deal with my heart first. I'm not going to expect them to deal with their hearts if I'm not willing to deal with mine. And I'm going to repent and I'm going to take responsibility. I'm still then going to have that conversation and say, hey, that behavior is impacting me. Can we have a conversation about this? It's impacting our relationship. But ultimately, if I'm responding in sin, I've got to take responsibility for that part. We need to walk in continual repentance to allow our wrong beliefs to change and allow our unbelief to be transformed. Repentance is a gift. If you hear that word and you go, we're going to repent. No, repentance is a gift. It's a joyous thing that we get to do. This is God saying, hey, you're trapped in a lie. Here's my truth. And I invite you into it. And we turn from believing that and we turn to his truth and we get to engage with that wonderful reality. Now, again, it's not about becoming overly introspective. Self-absorption is not the fruit of the heart journey. It's the fruit of an unhealed heart. If you're self-absorbed and then you come into the heart journey, you're still going to be self-absorbed until you deal with your self-absorption. Okay? But I've heard lots of people, oh, everyone comes and they're all looking at their junk and doing all that sort of stuff. It's like, stop it. That's not the teaching of the prayer ministry training that we give anybody. It's not to say, okay, you need to now just look at all of the junk and sift through every last box and search out every part. No, no. Invite God to search your heart. He will reveal what's in you. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So we invite Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, hey, something's happening here. I'm responding in this way. Holy Spirit, come and search my heart. Show me, Lord, any, is there any wickedness? Is there any brokenness? Is there any trap trauma? Whatever it is that's stuck in me that you want to reveal. Invite him to heal and then be led in the way everlasting. Again, this is another really important point on the heart journey. Your healing is not just for your benefit. Your healing is for the benefit of others, for the benefit of the expansion of the kingdom, of you making disciples. It's for the benefit of those around you. And I know sometimes we can come in and we're like, man, I'm so broken, I'm so trapped, I'm in anxiety, I'm in depression, I've got all this stuff going on, I just want to be healed. Hey, that's a good place to start. But if you're just healed for your sake, you've stopped short of the fullness of what God has. Amen. All right, we're going to pray. I'm sorry if I rushed through that. Maybe you think, well, that was a rush. I hate for you to take your time. Awesome. I want you to stand with me. Again, this, uh, it feels like this is as it's such a big topic and really right across the room. I know we've, so many of us are on the heart journey. We've engaged with so much of this. And, um, but really, every individual is different. We are all wired differently. The, the multiplicity of the experiences, the, the bad things that have happened, the good things that have happened, the good things that haven't happened, all of those things put together, we can't minister corporately into everyone's heart journey and heart place of where you're at. Um, there are some things that God has, has 
I feel like God just wants to touch on. But this is about an invitation into a journey with the Lord that He can produce abundance and life and fullness in you. Amen? All right. invite your Holy Spirit to move, to work. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Thank you for your peace, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We just want to start with that prayer of David it says search me O God just reveal our hearts right now Lord and I just thank you that our hearts are safe with you Lord you're not here to expose us you're not here to embarrass us you're not here to shame us you're here to give us life And even as the the sin that comes out of our life, Lord, is impacts others and we feel ashamed for the things that we do, for the way that we've treated others, Lord, maybe for the damage that we've caused others in the past. And it's it's big, Lord. Lord, we also acknowledge that there's deeper things in our hearts that's causing that to come out. And that's what you want to deal with, Lord. So I just, I just want to bind up shame right now, even as it would block people from being able to receive from you, Lord. I bind up shame in Jesus' name. Would you, Holy Spirit, would you just break through even those structures of shame just to be able to receive your truth, to be able to receive your word now and to be able to repent in this time, to hear your voice, to see your face. And Lord, we acknowledge that for for some of us, Lord, we... We're never nurtured in this place, in this place of the heart. We'll never, our hearts were never given a voice. It was never acceptable to express our inner world. We were just told to, to fix up our behavior and come under religion or come under our, our just a, a framework of, of thinking and behaving. Maybe even a, just a, a false form of masculinity for the men where it's not okay to have a heart it's not okay to have emotions it's not okay to express the fullness of the heart where maybe only anger was an acceptable response or control was an acceptable behavior or but Lord there are so much more to who we are and who you've made us to be and so Father I just want to pray over hearts this morning that you would Pour life into hearts, Lord. Even where hearts have just died due to our own neglect, Lord, they've just shriveled up, that the voice of our heart has been lost, that internal part has been shut down and it's come to a place of death, whether from trauma or abuse or just life, the cost of life upon our hearts has caused us to shut down, Lord. But Father, where we have chosen to shut down our hearts and ignore our hearts, we repent. We repent for shutting down our hearts, Lord. We repent for neglecting our own hearts. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you awaken hearts now by your power. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bring our hearts back to life. Father, I pray that you would lift off trauma, that you would lift off trauma off our hearts, Lord. Father, I just thank you that you're doing a work that's going to enable us to engage on this journey, Lord. Where some of us feel stuck at the starting line. I don't even know where to start. But Father, I just pray that you would bring freedom and healing right now that will allow hearts to come open to be able to engage with you on this journey. Thank you, Father, where hearts have never even received the nurture that they need to come to life, Lord. For those trapped places, would you come and would you heal? Would you heal those areas of neglect? Would you minister into those places, Lord? Speaking truth where lies have abided, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Just as Brad was praying, I was just um, thinking it's usually an unconscious thing to shut down our hearts because we can't afford to have emotions and hearts in some seasons, uh, especially through any earlier trauma. But I just feel in the repentance of any shutdown, um, um, the Scripture talks of us vowing things and having inner vows, vows not to feel because it's not safe to feel. Um, or for some of us in your home, only one person was allowed to have all the feelings or the anger or the fear or the, uh, the pain and everyone else wasn't allowed to. But just in any repentance of shutting down our hearts, I just feel the Lord's invitation, not only to repent of that, but to by faith renounce all vows not, not to feel or all vows not to have a heart. Yeah, and Lord, I just, we just invite you to even show us what is the state of our heart. Lord, a lot of us are just strong in spirit and we're so grateful that you've strengthened our spirit, Lord, and all of the, the, the strengthening you've done of our spirit, Lord, and we've gotten into the word and we've really built up that strength of spirit. But we just bring our hearts before you and we ask you what state they are in. Are we completely connected to it, Lord? Or did we believe it? Did we leave it behind somewhere in some season? And just be open to even looking with your mind's eye and in case he, he reveals a prophetic picture to you or just be open to listening with your ear in case he tells you or, or something or just a sense as to where your heart is. Because some of us, it's almost like he might show you that your heart is in the dust somewhere, just in the dust and being kicked to the ground and trampled over and maybe cut and bruised or silenced. Maybe it's in a cage somewhere, in a room somewhere. Maybe the heart is the place that keeps the secrets and doesn't tell the family stories and it can't afford to be with you in life because the secrets are there. Jesus, would you just show us where our hearts are and what state they're in? the invitation, Lord, that you, you want us to love you with our whole hearts, which means it's your great honor to go back and collect our hearts from anywhere we've left it. Or Lord, we might have had loss after loss after loss in a season, multiple deaths or a big tearing, or we've left land, we've left an East Coast region, or we've left another country and we came here and to cope, Lord, we left our heart behind. Maybe we even vowed to leave our heart behind so that we could cope with displacement. So, Lord, on behalf of our whole heart, would you just collect up any shattered pieces of our heart? For some of us, it's like it's glass shards all over the floor. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that you go and you collect every shard and that you bind up the brokenhearted. It's what you do. It's in the Word. You bind up the brokenhearted. If there's a piece of our heart that's left in another story, in another season, another land, Father, you collect those pieces up if we give you permission 
So would you help us, Lord, on behalf of our whole heart to give you permission. We renounce any vows to be split out or separated out or to have left our heart or to shut it down. And we give you permission to collect our whole selves up and to bring our whole hearts here to the season we're in now. Lord, would you just come in and do a work in any part of our heart that is still bruised or grieving or stuck. Some people can get stuck in a grief process and even your body might have a lot of the um, outcomes of that. There can be a lot of chronic pain, a lot of body issues because of stuck things in the heart. So Lord, we just also ask in any ways that any of us have any body issues going on because of stuck places in the heart. Would you just help us to be whole body, soul, and spirit, that we would thrive even as our soul thrives, that we would prosper even as our soul prospers. Lord, I just pray that under kingdom, you'd bring kingdom alignment to every part of our lives, Lord. We wouldn't just be strong in spirit, but our bodies would begin to thrive, Lord, as our hearts become free. We just bring the trapped pain to the cross. Lord, I just thank you that you just draw out all fear, all terror, all shock, all dread that might be stuck on a heart level, Jesus, would you just draw out the terror, the shame, the fear, the dread. Father, all vows to be silent, all vows to just hide in shame, all vows to, to divorce ourselves from our emotions. We repent of those. And Jesus, would you just bring the emotions to the cross and bring healing to the emotions on an emotional level. Would you just put boundaries and borders around us, Lord, so that we don't fear that if we started crying, we would never stop. But may there just be a a courage, Lord, that you will be the boundaries and borders around our hearts as you bring them into wholeness and as you strengthen our hearts and as you catch our hearts and our bodies up to where our strong spirits are. We just thank you for your complete blessing over this community, Father. We just tuck everyone in here under our covering, our blessings. Lord, we just pray Psalm 91 hiding prayers over this whole community, that you would tuck us underneath your wing and in the cleft of the rock, Jesus. And we just thank you for your healing balm of Gilead to just go into every place that we've just brought before you by faith in our not knowing. We just bring all our conscious and unconscious thoughts behaviors, will, everything underneath your lordship. We just plead your lordship over our families, Father. I also pray for generational lines, Father, where things can be stuck in the heart because of generational reasons. Yes, generational curses, but also generational patterns of behavior, generational woundings that can come down, and generational iniquities, the sins of the fathers against the kids and the mothers against the kids, and then just the generational sowing and reaping. Father, we just bring the generational stuff before you as well, and we just ask for your mighty breakthrough. Lord, we forgive the generations that have gone before us and all that they've gotten involved in and the things that they opened up that shouldn't have been opened up. And the things committed, Lord, behind closed doors, we forgive the generations before us and we bless them and repent for any judgments of the generations before us. And Lord, we ask for that we would be a room of generation changes. Lord, when whether it stops with us, it stops with us and the flow of iniquity doesn't continue on. So we just bring our generations to the cross, Father, and we just pray that you would do a deep work of revealing and changing, even if we're the generational changes. It can take some years to do that deep generational work and cleanse the bloodline. But Lord, we are the ones who will say yes and be brave and be the generation changers. And Lord, we thank you for all the blessings that are in our generational lines. And we ask that that would get stronger and continue to flow through. But we just place the cross between ourselves and our generational lines, Father, and we take the sword of the Spirit and sever off the stuff, Lord, that has just been flowing through, and we ask for a change. We ask for a change, Father. We ask for victory. We ask for life where there's been death. We ask for our chins to be up where there's been shame. Father, we just ask for life and a growth of life and a strengthening of life in our generational lines, Father. We thank you for confidence. We come out of underneath the tall poppy syndrome that's been in Australia where no one must rise up and be amazing and great. And we just thank you that you've called us to be great and to rule and reign as kings and queens, Father. We come out of the fear of being seen. Lord, we just thank you that for each of us, you've set us up to be your champions, to be your victory, 
um, warriors to have a purpose in life, to be called, Lord. And we thank you that you're doing a work in our life, not only for ourselves and our immediate family, but Lord, would you start helping us as as the worship was this morning to come up higher and to see, Lord, that you're setting us free for regional reasons and for Australia reasons, for our our street reasons, for our workplace reasons. Lord, that there's a ruling and a reigning in our breakthrough that far goes beyond, Lord. And would you help that to add courage to us to do this heart work with you? Because there's a greater purpose, Lord, that you're wanting to actually bring the generational flow of iniquity to an ending in Australia. Lord, that it wouldn't continue generationally. For every tribe and nation, Jesus, that the the generational flows would stop, that we'd be the generation that, that does that work. We thank you for the future, Lord. The future of this country depends on individuals who will do that work. And so we come out of hiding, Father. Would you turn the light on? Lord, the sexual stuff we're into, the stuff that we're into that our bank accounts would reveal, Lord, that our fridges would reveal, that our diaries would reveal, that the night hours would reveal, that our relationships would reveal. Lord, we just ask that you turn the lights on over this community, Father. Would you bring everything that's been in the darkness into the light in the name of Jesus? The scripture says, in your light, we see light. So we want the lights on. Shame-free community that can then get clean, get whole, deal with it at a heart level, realize we're received and loved no matter what we're into, but we we need this this to stop so we can turn around and go after the city because the city needs the keys that we can find when we do the work. Would you help us, Father? Thank you that you give us keys. When we do the work and we get free, we're left with keys for the person next to us. And Lord, we want to go after the city. We thank you that you've given us the keys of the kingdom. Would you help us to do the work so we can get up and get this city healed and whole? Would you help us to go after the pain of our city? Would you help us to go after the pain of our city, to come out of apathy, Lord, and the false refuge of passivity? Father, would you help us with the false refuge of being asleep and all of the self-protection we think passivity and apathy give us? It's a false refuge. Wake us up, Lord, whether we just give you the false refuge of comfort. The false refuge of comfort, Lord. We want to get back into cost, costly living, free living, Lord, so we can get the keys and go after the pain of our city and the apathy in this region and the apathy in the church and the Apollyan families and the apathy in headship. Jesus, it's a lie. It's a false refuge. Wake us up, Father. We will be the ones to go after the pain of our city. But it requires us every day being awake and doing the work and being up and being onto it and not opening the doors. Perversion has got to go. Perversion has got to go. Little red foxes that come in and the perversion or little justifications and minimizing of sin and just little things. It's got to go. The church has got to be onto it, onto it, onto it and telling each other and confessing and confessing and confessing and getting up and getting out. We've got a city that's in pain. Let's get our keys and let's go after the city. It's beyond us. It's beyond our impact. And we thank you, Lord, that your spirit, your spirit and the Scriptures are full of the keys, that we're not lost, that there's an answer for every stuck place. There is no stuck place in our lives, no anxiety, no depression, no mental health issue that does not have a key in the kingdom. So we bring all mental health under your Lordship in the name of Jesus. We thank you that there's an absolute key for every stuck place in the name of Jesus. Trauma is not bigger than the Holy Spirit. Trauma is not bigger than Jesus. Trauma is not bigger than Jesus. We just bring it under your Lordship in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Father, that every key is already won on the cross. And we just thank you for your blood. And everything that your blood speaks a better word. Your blood speaks a better word than the testimonies that we've grown up in or things that we've experienced. Your blood speaks a better word. And I thank you that not one person needs to get left behind. Not one person needs to get left behind. And we're not gonna leave behind one person. We're all going over. We're all getting up. Not one stuck secret sin is too bad for the blood. His blood is enough. Not one thing is unforgivable. The blood is enough. Come into the blood. Come and confess your stuff. 
and come under the blood and let's get up and go after the pain of this city. If there's any secret sin or anything you've ever done, if there's any, any um, unconfessed area, if there's been an attempted murder, if there's been murder, if there's been abortion, if there's perversion going on, if there's sexual sin, if there's masturbation, if there's any addiction, just come to the cross. There's mercy. There's mercy for your time of need. There's the non-judgmental ministry team at the front. Confess and get help and get out because it's gonna take all the concentration and energy of your entire life to cap the thing that you can actually get free of. And Lord, I bind the despair from years and years of trying to come out of stuff in our own strength. The despair and the hopelessness of our stuck places. We bind the despair and the disillusionment and the helplessness and the hopelessness that would tell us we cannot get free and would leave us stuck and leave us limping and leave us just getting by and settling for a second grade life. We thank You, Father, for hope. And I just pray for the gift of hope and courage to fill this room right now because we can get free if we just do another round. We just do another round. We can get free. You can get free. This can stop. It's got a root. Everything that has a root can be taken out and we take an ax to the root. So this is a time and this mercy seat is here if there's something that needs confession and then we've got the contacts to get free. So I just, I just feel like do not take for granted this mercy time if there's something that just needs to be brought into the light. The alcohol, the, the vitriol, bitterness, whatever it is, whatever the stuck place is, we love going after stuck places. You don't have to do this alone and we're next to you. Thank you, Jesus.